we go. I want to welcome you to the Scribal Conservatory Arts and Worship Center. Listen, we are moving forward. And I want to let you know that the Scribal Conservatory, we're going to do this a little different, has four primary principles or pillars that we stand upon. One is transforming nations. And we bring that from Romans 12 and 2. And we've actually been talking about Romans 12 and 2 for a while. We've been pulling biblical agreement from it. We've been pulling all kinds of things from this place. So transforming nations is our heart and it's about renewing your mind. And we're going to do a lot of that today. So just prepare yourself. We're going to be renewing our mind. We're going to be taking some things back that people have hijacked and have just brought a lot of confusion into the congregation. So we're going to deal with this from the perspective of the kingdom, which is where the Lord is. And we're going to talk about reinforcing covenant, elevating Christ above men always comes through our teachings as well as transforming nations and just increasing understanding. So I hope that your hearts and your minds are prepared for what the Lord wants to do today. If you wanna reach out by email, this is how you do it. If you wanna connect, I just wanna say, some of you may not be aware, but I've started posting um, announcements pertaining to Sunday mornings and Tuesdays in the Bible study group. So if you ever feel as if, oh my God, I'm missing something, did we have service? Just kind of look to there. I'm not real consistent on the day and time that I post, but I generally have something in there by Sunday morning. So always look for that. And if it's Bible study night, there's always going to be something there for you to follow or be guided by no later than probably um, 7.15. So just look to that time frame. Also, I want you to know that we have Bible study on Tuesday nights at 7.30. And um, come, we're going to have Bible study this Tuesday night. So I'm looking forward to it. We're going to pick up the conversation we're talking about today, which is um, biblical discernment. We're going to address that. And so we're going to take that into our Bible study. Unfortunately, I have not been able to figure out the Facebook thing so we're going to keep doing our Bible study on Tuesdays through Zoom. So just be aware of that as well. And I want to just ask for your support with our podcast. My podcast is on the Charisma Podcast Network. So if you get a chance to listen, it's on Scribal Ministry. But I've been given the opportunity to even have a second podcast, which is going to be on the Sealed School of Ministry at some point but I'm just trying to get through this podcast right now. It's a lot of work, but if you can subscribe to us on, um, you just look up Chamber of the Scribe podcast. It's on, I think it's on Audible. I didn't know that that was going to happen, but it's there. So I'm excited about that. It's on Apple podcasts and it's on some others. It's not on Spotify. We've had a lot of trouble with Spotify, but hopefully by the end of the week, it will be back on Spotify. So support, even if you're not interested in Scribe, subscribing helps, um, writing a review of it helps. So anything you can do to kind of uplift that, I would greatly appreciate it. If you are um, giving today, this is how. 
Um, you can give via PayPal. People don't really like PayPal. I understand that. But that's one of the ways. Venmo is another way. And also Zelle, which is at the bottom. So I just want to encourage you to um, consider giving. And here we are at the beginning of our message. We're going to be talking about biblical discernment versus human judgment. We're going to deal with, hum with biblical discernment today. And then we're going to build. And the conclusion, which is the next message, is going to be on human judgment. And you'll understand why I split them up in a little bit. So I hope you're going to be blessed by this because I know it blessed me. And I am very grateful for whoever put that, that, that idea up and said, can we talk about discernment? What is it? I want to tell you from the beginning that I'm using the word biblical discernment. So when we talk about this, I want you to understand the difference and we'll, we'll deal with that, but keep biblical discernment before you. That particular terminology is very, very, very important to our conversation. Now I'm gonna jump right in right now and I'm just gonna say, Father, in the name of Jesus, guide this conversation. Father, we just stand before you as people willing to relearn things that we learn, willing, Lord, to question the scriptures and also willing to lay aside the things that people have taught, even with the best intention. Father, I thank you that we're setting foundations for the conservatory, that we will know how to rightly divide the word of truth, that we will know how to stand in clear hearing concerning our direction and what you're doing among conservators. Father, I thank you that this message is not about other people of the churches. Lord, we know that you are with them too in their place. But Father, we thank you today that you're yet stripping away things that we have believed because of what we've been taught in Jesus' name. Guide us, direct us, convict us, heal us, and set us free. Father Galatians 5 and 1 says that it is for freedom that we have been set free. And Father, we embrace our freedom and we refuse to let anyone put us in a yoke of bondage again. And so in my Christian experience, and I'm sure some of your experiences, and I'm going to ask you to share some of those experiences in the chat as we um, go ahead and teach and as we go ahead and look at this, but in my Christian experience, these are my experiences. I'm not speaking for anyone else. Whenever I heard about discernment, it was always about distinguishing evil spirits, knowing what spirit is before you, whether it's a, you know, Jezebel was a head spirit most of the time that was talked about in the environments that I was in. Um, I've learned that discernment was the beginning of Christian witch hunts. And I mean, today, as well as um, witch hunts back in the day, you know? And so I, I was like, God, why is discernment always the butt of such evil? Why is it always seen in connection with darkness, 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 and this preoccupation with evil? So my experiences always had to do with this is an evil spirit. Look at that spirit on her. Look at that spirit on him. And listen, I felt paranoid after a while. 
And I remember crying out to the Lord. And I remember my pastor, he would say to me, he said, that's not what the sermon is. That's just a religious way that you have been taught and the people you have been around. And so he did everything he could to help dig that out of me. But I'm going to tell you, it was a hard pull. It was a hard pull. And I'm going to say too, that it wasn't until I met my present mentor that it really began to clear up. My pastor tried, but because so many other doctrines come as a result of how I was taught discernment, you know, I ended up being suspicious and paranoid of everything. And when things didn't go my way, I would look at people and I would say, look at that, I'm discerning this in them or that in them. Now I can only talk about myself, but if you are able to see what I'm talking about, I just wanna encourage you, think on that for a moment. Think on how you may be right now. If you go on most prayer calls, I don't do prayer calls with people. I haven't been on a prayer call with another group in 10 years. I want you to hear that. I know that sounds crazy. I don't do people's crazy prayer calls. And so, you know, I don't do prayer groups. I don't do, um, you won't see me going to a prayer conference. Be, and, and I'm going to tell you why. And it's not because I'm picking at people, but the doctrine is bad. And where I am now, I just can't go backwards again. And so my challenge to you, if you are truly a conservator, I want you to hear this because people always ask me, what do I believe about devils and demons? You may not realize it now, but I've already been teaching you what I believe about that and setting things up so we can have the real teaching that's probably going to be a month long. I'm hoping to put you in a position to be able to receive it and not give too much at once because we can only operate in what we know and where we are. And even when there is error, God is with us. If you're pursuing the Lord with everything in you, just remember that he meets us where they are, even in the midst of the witch hunts even in the midst of mistaking um, bad attitudes and, and immature behaviors for evil spirits. He, you know, he's with us, even in all of that. I've seen people get free. I've seen sickness flee, even in the midst of the crazy, because at the end of the day, God is not concerned or even looking at all of that craziness. He's looking at the fact that you still, in the midst of all of that, had faith to believe that he could heal, deliver, and set free. He may have, have had to go through the merry-go-round with you. He may have to watch you kick buckets and kick rocks, but at the end of the day, your faith was there. And that is what moves God. He's able to push past all of this crazy antics that people do and say, I still see their faith. They may believe I have to jump through all of these hoops. They may believe I can only do it through fasting. They may believe that I can only move this way when they pray, but I know that at the end of all of that, they have faith. And that is what moves God. 
Faith moves God, not all the circus activity, not all the stuff that men build around it. Whatever demon you think you have, at the end of the day, that devil flees because you had the faith of God for him to flee. So all that other stuff around it, I'm trying to help people move it out of the way. Because if, if, you know, the Bible says all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed. If that is true, I don't need your spit cup. I don't need 15 ministers surrounding me for four and five hours going through my past, trying to get to the end. I don't need any of that. But if that is where my faith is, I, God will allow us to go through all of that until we get to that point of faith where we in ourselves believe that we can be free. Now, I know that that is offensive to some of you, but really think about that because when you look at the life of the apostles, when you look at the life of Jesus, it did not take all of that for them to get a breakthrough. It did not. And if we're going to look at the scripture Let's stop looking at what everybody else is doing and let's put our eyes back on Jesus. If Jesus could do it with, uh, with, by just releasing his spirit, if Jesus could do it with a single word, why can't I, Teresa, move to a place in my faith where I believe I can say be healed and it is done? That is the road that I am on. I'm just going to tell you. That is where I am. And those are things I've seen God do. If the apostolic is the apostolic, how can we get to that apostolic mind? How can we get there? How can we get there? So I said a mouthful in the first five or six minutes, but I want you to get to a place where this is because misunderstanding of what discernment is, is what causes a whole lot of this confusion in the body of Christ today. Now, when I say the body, particularly the prophetic and charismatic and Pentecostal movements, I'll say it like that. Because, you know, a lot of people aren't dealing with this stuff. It's just the two to 4% of us that are in the prophetic realm that really struggle because we're so deep. I used to believe that um, my experience with discernment was one where I realized that uh, I was discerning human behavior or I was confusing discernment with human behavior. And I've learned since then that those kinds of activities are signs of religious strongholds, super ridiculous, crazy with spirituality, legalism. And then get this, some people are just mean. Oh my goodness. Some people are just mean Christians, just hateful and mean. And we've got to accept some of these things. Listen, I had to recognize that I couldn't really discern evil. Evil is not always um, vampires and warlocks and witches. We know about that stuff. But people who are mean, go back, I think it's 1 John chapter 4. You're going to learn about a man by the name of Diotrephes. And you'll see the havoc that he brought into the church. 
Now, I'm going to tell you, after listening to that discussion that, that Peter was having about him, it was easy to see that Diotrephes was just mean. He was mean and he was jealous and he wanted a position and he wanted control. So is that an evil spirit or a bad attitude in somebody who needs a good butt whipping? You know, that's what we would say back in the day. Of course, we don't spank adults. That's not what I'm saying. But you get the idea of what I'm talking about. He needed to be chastised, corrected, put in his place in as gentle and loving way as the Lord would have done. It would have been firm not to hurt him, but Christians are mean. Lots of believers are mean. And we must understand that, that it's a mean nature. It is not a devil. It's just their bad attitude and behavior. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we have, um, and I'm going to answer that question. I want you to know I did see it. We have, to, we have to really be able to understand what God calls evil. And we have to really look at the teachings that we follow and that we draw to. Because in order to really move forward, some teachings have to be dismantled. And some of you are hanging out with people that are so in the old way that you are straddling the fence and you'll never be able to move forward as long as you're trying to fit in to those situations based on friendship, based on we tight like that, based on all of this. Sometimes, at some point, you got to say, uh-uh, I can't. I cannot do it. I cannot do it. And I know some beautiful people, but I've had to say no to a lot of their programs because I can't teach what I don't believe can't teach what I don't believe. And it's not up to me to convince them to believe what I believe. They have their own leaders. They have their own pastors. They have their own churches. They're not conservators. Not my problem. <laughs> you know, so yes, we have to find the more excellent way. So discernment is more than we realize and it's caused more problems and people that don't understand what that word means. And remember, I shared this with you last time, our English words sometimes mess us up because if you're using the Webster's Dictionary to tell you what a word in the Bible means, that's probably only 10% of the story because our English words are nothing but translations of the original language. They're not the original language. They're not the original language. They're just translations. And sometimes it helps us to go back and see what that word meant in context in scripture and then in the original language. So we're going to look at some of that this morning. So we're clarifying our approach. This is what we're going to do today. We're clarifying our approach. Wrong views of discernment can lead to extremely bad doctrine, misinterpretation of scripture, abuse of people, and even the misinterpretation of our role in the kingdom. I'm going to say that again. Wrong views of discernment 
can lead to extremely bad doctrine by good people, people with the best intentions, people with pure hearts. But it can lead to misinterpretation of scripture, abuse of people, and misinterpreting our role in the kingdom. You will have people who believe they have a ministry that causes them to go out and expose the evil in other people. You will have people who have full-blown ministries that they believe are demon-hunting ministries. But I, I challenge you, this is gonna be hard, but I challenge you, name one person in the entire Bible who had a ministry of finding and hunting down witches and warlocks. Name one. Name one ministry in the whole Bible that's focus was on darkness and evil all the time. Name one intercessor in the Bible whose ministry was uncovering the plans of darkness. Name one. I'm, I'm waiting. Hit the chat box. Listen, this is the kind of message that will cause you to get killed by the people that went after Christ. Pharisees and the wayward scribes, they don't like this message because it takes their power away. It causes them to realize that they've not, they've crossed into something other than God. That there's a mixture going on. How did this little bit of witchcraft get into my Christian faith? Because that's what it is. Listen, I'm sorry, but it is. And if some of you are in that place, listen, just, just talk to the Lord. I don't know. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just sharing with you things that we need to talk about today. If you're with the conservatory and if you're a conservatory, conservator, this is the direction we're going in. It's so important that you begin to see how much of people is in the scripture versus what is actually in God's word. Oh my God. I would be raked over the coals right now if I were to teach this out openly for everybody to see. I'm not going to do that. Some messages are for, for Peter, James, and John, right? Some messages are for the other nine um, disciples. But then global messages are for the multitude, right? So we have to choose what goes with what and who gets what. You don't just cast pearls among swine. You don't call warfare on yourself for no reason. This isn't for people that want to fight. This message is for people that want to learn. I'm going to put it in the Scribal Prophets group in Canada Blessing. I'm going to put it on, on YouTube. I'm going to put it uh, in, the, in the Bible study group. Don't worry. I'm going to put it out there. But it's not for everyone because people aren't really ready to hear a message like this and we're going to move into deeper conversations i love the word so when i share something with you i'm going to prove it without having to pick straws and cross lanes and jump through hoops it's going to be in plain sight 
It's going to be in plain sight. You take this to God. Don't believe anything that I tell you. You take this to God. I came to this conclusion because of what I've already studied and what God has began to show me and how I have to deal with people sometimes. It just gives you a headache. So some things are really better left unsaid and let people figure it out for themselves. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we repent for misusing discernment. We repent, Father, for thinking that discernment gives us permission to hurt people. We decree and declare for any areas in our lives where we have misused discernment, Father, myself first. I prayed this before, but I pray it now in the name of Jesus. Heal me, God. Heal those who are listening. Cause them to cry out within themselves and say, Father, I give you permission to dismantle anything in my life that has caused me to view discernment from a wrong perspective. Father, I declare that you will give me wisdom, that you will give me knowledge, that you will give me understanding to rightly divide the scriptures, that I approach the scripture as a student, not as somebody who says, I know what this means, but I'm going to go. But no, Lord God. God, that we can go again like a child and say, teach me again, Father. Teach me again. Teach me again. I want to learn. I want to do this right. I don't need to be in control. I don't need to seem like I know everything. I don't need to be all suspicious. I discern this and I discern. Lord, we don't, this is not what that word is for. Not in the new covenant. So, Father, we stand with you. And Holy Spirit, we move out of the way so you can do what you are ordained to do from the foundations of the world on the inside of me, on the inside of us. Have your way for real. I withhold nothing in Jesus' name. I withhold nothing from my growth process. I withhold nothing from my spiritual maturity in Jesus' name, amen. We have to stand here and we have to do that. And Lord, we just stand um, against every mind hindering stronghold in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, it's for freedom that we have been set free. It is for liberty that we have been set free. And we will allow no man to put us into a yoke of bondage again. Oh, my goodness. So I am not going to try to pronounce that, but I'm going to spell it for you. It's D-I-A-K-R-I-S-I-S. And it's the Greek word, for that we translate as discernment. That's what it is. And in a in the New Testament, that word, the word judging is associated with it, but there are three types of judging in the Bible. And that's what we're going to talk about in part two of this message. We're not going to talk about it now. So we need to know that, that there's levels to judging. But discernment is more about what this Greek word means. And it's a distinguishing, a discerning, and a type of judging. 
but I want you to see what it says right here um, as it references 1 Corinthians 12 and 10. I want you to see that, that discernment for the most part is not for the purpose of passing judgment on opinions. It's not for passing judgment and drawing conclusions about things as to which one is to be, is to be preferred or as correct. I want you to know this because there's so much about the word discernment and there are other words that are associated with it, but there is a basic word that we need to understand as new covenant believers that's going to teach us something profound about discernment. The number one thing we need to recognize is that discernment is only about good and evil or it's about good and evil. So I want you to be able to just hold on to that real quick. Hold on to that really, really quick because if you miss that part, we're going to be in a whole lot of, um, we're gonna be in a whole lot of confusion. So I really need you to grasp hold of that, okay? So just circle good and evil in your notebook because we're gonna be building on that. Now, the foundation of discernment is real simple. And this is the definition that I have based on contextual scripture, which we're gonna go through and scripture in context, not picking out a scripture and running with it because the word is there, but contextually, this is how I define it. And I'll talk about a couple of other definitions near the end, but it's to properly weigh what is righteous and unrighteous. It's to properly weigh what is good and evil as defined by God. This is bare bones and basic. It is an effort to reveal Christ in all things for the purpose of our navigation, our spiritual compass, our natural compass. The purpose of discernment is to help us know whether we can go left or right where we can go up, down, forward, sideways. Think of it as a compass in your hand. Very important. And I wanna ask you, you have to determine, can you accept this simplicity? Can you accept this building block? Are you willing to reset how you see discernment based on what the scriptures tell us? Can you take back the definition of discernment from people who hunt devils with it, from people who vilify the broken with it? Can you take this word back? Because that's what God is calling us to do. Those who understand the love of God and can move in it. This discernment is our supernatural map in the realm of the spirit. We should, and, and listen, the scripture tells us, and I will show you the scripture, the scripture tells us that it's based on maturing spiritually. Discernment doesn't increase because it's a spiritual gift. It increases as you mature. There is a maturity component to discernment. If you are not mature, your discernment will, will not be mature. Maturity is not knowing the scriptures, it's being able to apply the wisdom of God in your life and apply the wisdom of God in situations around you, no matter how dire they are or how simple they are. Oh my goodness. 
Y'all are quiet. I'm, 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 listen, this is bare bones discernment. We're going to build on other things. This is the first layer of, of blood vessels or flesh that should be put here. How am I properly weighing what's righteous and unrighteous? Where is my compass? What is good to God and what is evil to God? Not what's good to you and what's evil to you. This is not about you. This is about Jesus. What is good to Christ? What is good to Jesus? What is good by way of Holy Spirit? What is good to God? Oh my God. Taste and see that God is good. Not that you are. Not your favorite super demon pastor that know everything about darkness, but doesn't have a drop of love in his heart. Not them. We're not talking to them. Spent all day trying to tell you how to rout a devil. Not speaking of anyone. I'm just using a popular language. Not, not pointing out anybody. I'm just saying to you, did Christ do that? Did he? Did any of the apostles operate that way? That's what I'm asking you. There's a lot of popular doctrine. Man, lots, and people are wonderful people. But how is the kingdom built in the same way that, that we are taught to build the kingdom? Right? I'm sending you to scripture. You have a lot of homework here if you're listening carefully. Now, we're going to look at some scriptures. Don't worry about writing them down. Trust me, I'm going to go through them and you're going to be able to see. But we're going to jump directly to the word because I like to do that. I'm, I, I'll do my best not to get on here talking about nobody because it's not about a group of people. I'm not pointing out people. That's not the purpose. But in order to teach truth, we have to sometimes connect with language that we understand, things that people follow. And I believe that, you know, we have to get there and we have to see what God wants us to see. So we're going to take a quick look at 1 Kings 3 and 9. And I want you to see this. I want you to just see. Oh, my God. Wow. This is being prayed. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Oh my God. Discernment helps us govern. Discernment helps us relate to people from a discerning heart, from a heart that can distinguish between whether people are immature or whether they're mature, whether people are hurting so I know what to do in the midst of that bad behavior to help them. Oh my God, I have to be able to discern what is before me, get this, so I can respond like Christ. I want you to see this. Give your servant a discerning heart to weigh and balance issues 
that caused me to govern your people. Can you see it? Is it clear? Listen, it all begins here. In the old covenant, you'll find that righteous kings were moved by God to affect the people. Solomon prayed a prayer like this. His dad, David, prayed a prayer like this. You have other kings that in the time of their righteousness, you have prophets that prayed this. Give your servant a discerning heart. Write this scripture down so you can pray this. Because the stuff we see today does not line up with this. Man, when God began to correct me and allow me, Teresa, you're judgmental. Teresa, you're, you're dividing soul and spirit and you don't have the authority to do that. Teresa, you're labeling this person as such and such and this and that just because you had a bad experience. Sit down, Teresa. Give your servant, Teresa, a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Oh, God help us. You need to see that we are weighing righteousness and unrighteousness, but not because we need to point out and expose people, but because we need to help them. But because there's a need that needs to be met. Because listen, this king is looking for a way to navigate, a, na a way to turn, a way to be guided, a way to move. Give your servant a discerning heart. We need discernment to be a help, not a problem. We need discernment to be able to put other people first, not ourselves first. We need, to, we need discernment to know what is needful, what is mindful, and what is necessary in the kingdom. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. I hope that this is helping you. We're going to look at Psalm 119.66 real quick. I want us to go there, Psalm 119. I'm going to close out 1 Kings 3 and 9. Here's Psalm 119. Just read with me. Just follow with me. I got discernment. You've heard people say that. God showed me. No, that's your flesh. It's 100% you. And all your bad doctrine is 100% you. Oh my goodness. Let's just read that at, at verse 97. We're at Psalm 119. Oh my goodness. It says this. Oh, how I love your law. I meditated, I meditate on it all day long. Your commandments are always with me and you make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might myself obey your word. 
I have not departed from your laws for yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. One of the best prayers for discernment I have ever read in the scripture. See, discernment is for people who meditate on the words of Christ now. This is old covenant. We're not meditating on Leviticus. We're meditating on Christ. We're meditating on the new covenant. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your might. Oh my God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Teresa, all the law hang on this. Oh, how I love your greatest commandment. I meditate on your greatest commandment all day long. Your greatest commandments are always with me. Your greatest commandments make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your greatest commandments. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts to love. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word because Jesus, you are the word. I have not departed from your word made flesh for you yourself, Holy Spirit, sent by Jesus have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, Jesus. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word, which is Jesus, is a lamp for my feet and a light of my path. Encompass yourself about me. Encompass your path, oh God, about me. I have taken an oath and I confirmed it that I will follow your righteous commandments. Listen, this is a prayer for discernment. I want to know whether to go left or right. I want to know whether to stand still. I want to know what is before me, behind me, to my left. I want to know. Give me discernment. Grow me in wisdom. Grow me in knowledge. Has nothing to do with the devil. It has everything to do with identifying what is the perfect will of God for people who he longs to bring into perfect covenant with himself. Oh my God. May you have ears to hear. Stand against Father. Any, any, um, contention in the realm of the spirit. Anyone who feels slighted because, Lord, the ministry of the dark one has been exposed. Father, we decree and declare that we are light bearers. Father, your word says, I am sought in light. Father, your word says that I say and do like my, my uh, brother Jesus, like my Lord Christ, that I say and do only what I hear the Father say. And I will not apologize. 
for wanting to be like light in darkness and not darkness to light. We bind, Father, in the name of Jesus, every religious stronghold that will contend with the words of men over the word of God. We elevate Christ above men. Even at the expense of our own selves, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to your name, God. Father, we stand again, Lord, and we look at Romans 12 and, 20, 12 and 2. <laughs> Lord, it's one of the most profound scriptures also that we can keep constantly unpacking. Your word says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the ruin, re renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to discern what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Being able to test and approve what is righteous and unrighteous. Being able to test and approve what is good and what is evil. Being able to perceive what is salt and light versus darkness in the name of Jesus. Oh my God, God, let us see. Testing and proving is not about let me see that witch. Let me, Father, my God, where is the compassion for those that are in darkness? Discernment reveals the hard places so that we can bring light. So that we can bring healing. The sermon is not for us to just separate ourselves, but it's for us, God, to recover what has been lost. Oh my God, you discern the hearts of men, God. That's how you know we need a doctor. Oh, yes, Help us, Lord. Romans 12 and 2 from the um, Jewish Bible, it says this in part two of that passage. Instead, keep letting yourselves be transformed by the renewings of your mind so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. The sermon is here to help us see what is good to God, what is satisfying to God, and what is able to help the kingdom succeed. We take back that definition in Jesus' name. And we claim it in our hearts, God. We claim it in our minds. We claim it in our going out and our going in. We claim it in our sitting down and our rising up. We will not be a killer of people. We will not lead the witch hunts. We will not focus all of our attention on a defeated foe because Jesus and the devil are not equals. Never have they been equal. We will not rest in the kingdom like defeated dogs running from devils that really have no power over us. 
Only God can divide the soul and the spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I will not fear what has no power. My God. 1 Corinthians 12 and 10. Oh, here we go. We're finna dig into it now. We're finna dig into it now. The scripture everybody quotes but have no understanding of. Oh my God. Let's just read this. Now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, all of us were pagans at one time, whether we're willing to believe that or not. <laughs> Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the spirit. Now, let's make it real clear that we're talking about people. This whole passage is about people. People, 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 people. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Wow, we need to really post that on a, on a billboard. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit a, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different tongues. You need to know that this is not about distinguishing devils. This is about people. To another, distinguishing between the hearts of people. The hearts of people. There is nothing here about demons and devils. Nothing. That's not the context of this passage of scripture. This passage of scripture, in fact, the whole chapter is about the body. I have the gift to discern when your heart is broken. I have the gift to discern when you are offended. I have the gift to discern when something is not right and you keep telling me that it is. Distinguishing between what's in the heart of a man. Oh, let me give you a perfect example. I just heard this. Um, I can't remember where it is, but I just feel like I need to show you exactly what this is because I can feel it in the spirit that somebody doesn't understand. I'm going to read this in, um, it's John 2, 24. So we'll go here directly in that scripture. Give me a minute. All right, let's look at it in context. I want you to see this. John 2, 24, not on my scripture list, write it down. It says this, um, 
when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple course, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple course, courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. He, his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was the body. And after he had raised them, raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. Excellent example of discernment. Excellent example of discernment at work. Jesus knew he wasn't safe. Jesus knew it. So, so discernment, it doesn't mean that these people won't be changed later. It doesn't mean that they won't get saved and grow in the wisdom. What it, mean, it doesn't mean that, that they don't have problems. It doesn't mean that they're not necessarily possessed. I'm sure some had evil spirits. It do, all it means is just that Jesus was able to discern how to navigate that situation. It means that Jesus knew to go left. I can't go right. He knew whether to embrace them into his intimate circle or to say, say, stay back. He knew they were not ready yet. But he did not use his discernment to hurt them. You look, listen to this. It says, many saw the signs he was performing and they believed. So there were believers in the midst that were not safe. Oh my God. Oh my God. What have we done with this word discernment and called it revelation? What have we done? Oh God. Oh my God, I hope we can see this. I hope we can embrace it. Keep hanging around with people after getting this message and you will be right back in that place of misunderstanding discernment before this message. Oh my God. Let's look at 1 John 4 and 2. We're coming to an end. Let's look at 1 John 4 and 2. 
difference. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges God, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now already in the world. Another messed up scripture, that, a scripture that people mess up. How do they mess it up? Dear friends, he's talking to people. Do not believe every spirit. He's talking about people. But test the spirit, test people, not like putting them through a test, but prove people, listen to people, observe people to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets, he, he's talking about false prophets. Not goblins and ghosts. Not a demon of this and a demon of that. He's talking about people who have bad intel. Test these false prophets. That's what he's talking about. I'm not making this up is what the scripture says. Then he, he builds it by saying, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God in people. This is why I tell you all all the time, if someone is pursuing Jesus with everything in them, just wait. Because anything that they are doing that's not like him, as they mature, it will take care of itself because any authentic pursuit of God burns off what is not like him. I don't have to point out every evil thing people do. Every mistake they can make. God didn't have to do that with me. All I had to do was keep running. Wait to see what shakes out. The whole parable about the wheat and the tear is about that. And I wonder how do people miss the conversation with the wheat and the tear? How? because they don't understand the love of God. God knows that, that, that when you're looking at people, they all saying, I love you, God. But they're all saying it from the place that they understand in that moment. When a babe says, a newborn believer says they love God, they're saying they love God because he saved my life in this moment. I felt his love for the first time. Whereas a mature person like the apostle Paul, when he says, I love Christ, he's saying he's never leaving me or forsaken me. I couldn't stand through all the things I've been through in the spirit, if not for the Lord. He's speaking from a new place. So we have to move from that baby place to that place of spiritual maturity and discernment grows with us as we grow in our maturity with God. I know I have stepped on a lot of, of, of idols today. I know that I have swung an axe to the root. And I know I'm probably going to lose some friendships when this message gets out. But a lot of things that we are following is where people are, but it's definitely not where God is going. And it's not about people. 
So let's not go hunting out and looking for ministries that are doing this and pointing them out. That's not the point of this message. The point of this message is to look in the mirror and see yourself, conservators, and make sure that you're not among this stuff anymore now that you have truth. This is not about hurting anybody or tearing anybody's ministry down. It's about making sure that we are on the path. First Thessalonians 5 and 21. I've got to deal with 1 Corinthians 12 and 10, 1 John 4 and 2, because for some reason, demon-focused people think you're supposed to be figuring out this is Jezebel, that's a lust spirit, this is that. And I mean, that's all they do. What is this obsession in the body of Christ with those kinds of things? We should be obsessed with Jesus. We should be obsessed with, with the Lord. Oh my God, when I saw I was more concerned about what the devil was doing, I got scared. Oh my God, I'm like, why? Teresa, why are you so worried about the devil? Are you afraid of him? He can't do anything to you. You're under the shadow of his wings. You're a son. Why are you so fearful of, of the one evil that God defeated through his son, Jesus? Why are you always binding and loosening? Why aren't you claiming your sonship place? I am a son. I cannot be defeated. You have no power, but we can tell off somebody down the street. And we can be great before other people, but we can't be great before the enemy. Oh my God, how twisted are we? Help us, God. Help us. Help us. Oh, God. First Thessalonians 5. Verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. What? Encourage the disheartened. What? Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ. It's his perfect will for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Oh my God, discern them. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Discernment is rooted in brotherly love. It's rooted in concern for one another. It's, it, oh my God, all of this came before do not contempt, don't, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. 
reject every kind of evil. It came on the heels of final instructions. Acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. The one thing Christians don't use discernment to do. <laughs> oh my God. When you read about discernment in context, it ain't got nothing to do with half the stuff you hear people putting in books. They've tapped into something else. Study it yourself. Don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Look at the apostles and look at how they use their discernment. Look at how Jesus used his discernment. Look at how God used his discernment. Look at it. Know your word. Psalm 119 proves to us that many people don't know the word. Know the word. Jesus is the word. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, here we go. Last scripture. Last scripture. Discernment distinguishes between what is good and evil, what is perfect, acceptable, based on Christ's intention. Discernment is our spiritual thermometer, our spiritual compass. It protects us. It helps us avoid disaster, guard against bad decisions and choices. Discernment is a high level of wisdom, a high level of wisdom that is born of maturity, born of experience. A lot of my maturity and wisdom comes from the streets. Some of y'all's might come from the street. You can recognize things in people. It's not even spiritual. It's just experience. There is a discernment that is common sense. And there is a discernment that is purely led by Holy Spirit. That's why we need to talk about human discernment because human discernment is innate to the human experience. But when it comes to spiritual things, we have to understand what the intention of Christ is. His intention is that no one perish. His intention is that we all come into the knowledge of Christ. His intention is that we, uh, that we oppose our adversary gently. That's what the scripture says. It says, oppose your adversary gently. Why? Because you might win him if you do. Oh my God. Some comes from experience and training ourselves in knowledge and wisdom and understanding. We're going to go back to Romans 12 and 2 just for a second. Discerning helps us know the positive or negative intentions of those around us. Children know when people are unsafe. I believe God gives children and an internal discernment that is fully guided by the spirit that helps them know when they're in danger and they don't like being around certain people because they can pick it up. It's the same way with us. 
It's the same way with us. When we are like a child before him, he lets us know when we are not safe. Even in our own homes. It's a Holy Spirit knowing. It's that word of wisdom that you receive. It's that word of knowledge that he gives you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hebrews 5. Now, we know that people love the end times, but we're going to take this in a different direction and pull out some truth from this. I'm going to go to verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he'd offered up, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Wow. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus prayed to God. Because he knew God was the only one who could save him from death. But here we are running from the devil, left and right, like fools. I'm just using that word. The Bible used it. Not calling anybody a fool. Don't mistake that. Using that in context. A son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, in other words, and once made mature, once he reached his fullness, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But here is the sentence. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained, have trained, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We can train ourselves in discernment. If you can train yourself to hunt down Jezebel and kill her, surely we can understand how to train ourselves in discerning between good and evil. We can choose today to say, I want to know what's good to you, God, and what's evil to you. I want to use my discernment for the intention that you have caused it to be used for. I want to train myself to know what is good for, for you in the order of Christ. I appreciate the old covenant. I appreciate all the death blows and the people being zapped up and the, the enemies going after the enemies, but that's different in the new covenant. There were no kings in the new covenant sent to do anything because Christ became the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God doesn't send nations against nations anymore. There's no need for him to do that because he has a king of kings and a Lord of lords. Oh my God. 
Somebody's going to catch that. I've said it before. But what he does do is present us with solid food. And by constant use of that solid food, we train ourselves. So instead of praying, I stand against the enemy. You pray, I command my mind to see Christ. This situation has no power over me. No weapon formed against me will prosper because there will be no weapon formed. I pray from my high place and I use the authority that has been given to me and I rise into my proper position in my place. My adversary is under my feet. We move into a different place. Why am I going to keep chasing ants? How many times do I don combat boots, for goodness sake? I war like Christ. Your will be done in me as it is in heaven. I war from the high place. I war from the truth of what is spoken through the mouths of the, of the apostles and Christ. Oh my God. But if it makes you feel good to run around and, and dress up in your life, you ain't read not nan scripture. Sorry. Not one scripture. The word is not richly embedded in you because your conversation shows it. Your conversation reveals your maturity level. Oh my God. We're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us to adorn our sonship. He's waiting on us to use the weapons and the tools that were given to us by his son, Jesus. He's waiting on us to accept the truth of his word. We need discernment, but Jesus nor his disciple used it for witch hunts. They didn't use it to hurt people. They used it for navigation and advancement of the kingdom. They never used it to shame people. They never used it to shun people. They used it for protection. They used it for healing. They used it for understanding our movement in the realm of the spirit and the natural. They used it to discern what honors God in their actions. They used it to figure out how to fulfill his intention. They used it for love. Discernment is not an obsession with the demonic realm. Discernment is not human judgment judging people to hell. It's not passion for opinions. It's not passing opinions. It's not weighing in on everybody's life but your own. Discernment is the love of God that comes along to counter-correct the, the cricket places in our lives. That's what discernment is. Discernment comes by lived experience. It comes by wisdom and weighing what is good and acceptable to the Lord and what is not the purpose and not for the purpose of personal and corporate navigation is for that. If you discern someone's intention is dark towards you, your response is simple. 
Let me move out of the way so I won't be hurt even more than I already am. Even if it's in your imagination. Let me move out of the way until I can think clearly. God, that's, a, that's my enemy. I pray for my enemy. Don't, don't, I'm not scattering nobody. You done scattering people. That was old covenant. New covenant says, Lord, I pray that they come to know you. That you heal the broken places in their heart. That you set their hearts in order, God. Discernment is what God would never have sent Christ to the cross had not he discerned the inability of man to obey him. He would never have sent Christ to the cross had he discerned that men were incapable of love. He would never have sent men to the cross, Jesus to the cross, if he thought that we would not have partiality. But he had to send someone that was impartial because he knew that we would pick favorites. Oh my God. And he leaves it up to us. The sermon is powerful in the right context. Can we discern evil? Of course. I talked about that. You discern. This isn't safe. Woo! That place, I, I, I'm not called to that. People ask me to mention them all the time. I know when I'm not supposed to. Because they're not ready. I always tell people, if you still listen to 15 people, I'm teaching Christ crucified and they teaching Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We got a problem. That's discernment. I don't want to make you an enemy. So why even invite you in? You love the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You don't love Jesus. I'm trying to get you on Jesus' side. I'm trying to introduce you to the new covenant. We will contend. I have to wait until people are ready. I'm saying to people how to pray. Look on Facebook. They rebuking the devil. And we've had a year, two, three, four, five, six years of teaching. Oh my God. I just read you a scripture that said people are not always ready. Some people aren't able to because they haven't reached that place of maturity. Some people like their demonology much better than they like Christ. I'm just saying. These are things we have to consider in this day. I challenge you to study this. But it's hard if you want them. It's hard. It's a hard understanding. And it will trouble your spirit. But if you study the word of God for yourself, you will come to the same conclusion that I have no one taught me this. I studied this based on little nuggets here and there that people in my life that wanted me to go further could handle teaching me. 
You ask for what is discernment, but this is the thing, what is biblical discernment? What does the Bible say? Because there is a human discernment. And what most people are operating out of is a mixture. But when we know what it looks like to Christ, when we know how Jesus operated in it, when we could see the way the apostles handle situations. Even, listen, you remember the sons of Sceva? Do <laughs> you remember when um, that whole conversation about Jesus I know, Paul I know? That's a good place to start learning about discernment. Even darkness knows how to discern. Now that's something else. That's something else. Even the dark side could tell. We'll talk about that more on part two. But Father, we just seal this teaching by your spirit in the name of Jesus. Father, anything that was taken out of context by those who have listened, we ask that you work it in their hearts, Father, that you cause them to see to know and to understand in Jesus' name. Father, I, I, I preach by Jesus. Has nothing to do with trying to please people. We shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. Amen. <laughs>